0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Mailbag, where we answer your questions to help you with your team this twenty twenty three season. My name is Damo, and joining me, as he usually does, is Clarky. How are you, my friend? Yeah, I'm doing
1: pretty good. Um, my my, uh, my my captain died, uh, gone with that MCL, so it's been it's been an emotional week. Uh, but you know, we we we
0: trudge on, and we've got questions about that as well. Excellent. Joining us this week is Swizz, known for his work at Supercoach Insider. Thanks for coming back, mate.
2: Thanks, guys. Appreciate being here.
0: We don't need to go into too much detail, but Clarkie, Swizz, I'll answer this one as well. What was your one good thing and one bad thing in Supercoach this week? We'll start with the guest.
2: Oh, okay. Um, what was bad? Ugh, playing McKenzie over Ashcroft. I'm the worst at rookie roulette. Just every it gets me every season and I was thinking it was just overthinking it, going, Oh, Brisbane, they might struggle a little bit against Melbourne, good good inside midfield, McKenzie with be CBAs and just no. So that was really frustrating as it as my standard. Um the good thing is obviously having Laird as VC and taking that score, you know, just wrapped to back him in, especially when people were trading him out. So
0: yeah.
2: No it felt good there. it
1: felt good to hold Laird. Yeah, it did. It felt good. <laughs> Um, my bad thing has already been mentioned I, a Max Gorn owner Was flying close to the sun last week <laughs> And then this week um, I went to a comedy show uh, On the day that Brisbane and Melbourne Were playing And if uh, anyone in Victoria has been to Hamer Hall It is a dead zone of reception You do not get a lick of anything in there Unless you connect to free Wi-Fi. So I exited the comedy event After having a really good time And had a really bad time uh, Gone with that zero and out for four, four plus weeks. Um, so that that's my bad thing. But the good thing is, I brought in Nick Dacos last week. So you know what? I still scored a, a respectable twenty one sixty four, uh, I believe, which is pretty good considering I had the Gorn Zero on field.
0: Yeah, bringing in Dacos is good. My my, ba- I'll go with my good thing first. My my good thing was all of my trades that I did paid off. I kind of, I looked at my team after round one. I don't think anyone had a good round one really, but my, but my, my round one was awful. So I did a bit, so I, I did some aggressive trading and um, brought in Dacos and people will hate me for this, but I traded out Hopper to do it. And, um, I think it was I, I, honestly. I think that was a good trade off, despite how how well Hopper rebounded. My bad thing though is, um, and Swizz also had this issue was the rookie roulette. I left all the good scores on the bench, <laughs> and I and and, and 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 I kind of left myself uh, probably about 50 60 points out of of what I of what I could have had but everyone would have had that issue the rookie the, the rookies are so unpredictable early, early in the season and um we'll get used to how they score i guess
1: yeah it gets easier as the as we get more data so it's a fun game to play in those first few rounds though
0: yeah that's
2: where i'm looking at trading so I don't have to play rookie roulette. With the, <laughs> <laughs> like McKenzie, Ashcroft, you can both live on my I don't care who you are. Let's just get those rookies on because I hate it. It's just every week I muck it up.
0: <laughs> let's get to the questions. Lots of questions about Gorn, Jack Steele, corrective trades now that we've seen, now just before the price rises. But the first question comes from our good mate, Jeffrey Head on Twitter. He says, trading an old man is usually frowned upon in Supercoach. But do we need to start thinking about Scott Pendlebury? Has Dependleby returned? So he scored 120 and 129 in his first two games. Appears to have gone back into the midfield.
1: I mean, get it while well, the getting's good. Because the thing about old men is that they start really strong and then will fade as this longer season goes on. Um, you know, granted, Scott Pendlebury is an absolute, like, grade of the game level of skill. So I don't necessarily dislike it, but it, it wouldn't be for me. There's just other people that are ahead of him that are both cheaply priced um, and
0: kind of more attractive in the long term and at 520k you'd want to bring him in to keep him. Yeah. And you don't know if he's going to keep that role for the whole season, you don't know if he's going to keep that output for the whole season. Given his age, there's a chance he gets rested at some point. It's I'd He's he started the season well and I don't blame people for jumping on because I kind of had this same advice last year when, when it came to Aaron Hall, but I mean Scott Pendlebury, can you can can, can you do it at 520 and potentially have to trade him later on. I just don't think that 520 is a is, um, stepping stone price.
2: Yeah, no, completely agree. I was chatting to Super Coach Mama about this before and her rule is nobody over the age of 30. I think she's <laughs> going to break that by bringing in Jay-Z this weekend. But um, yeah, she's, it's like those guys, There's a, you know as good as some of those players have been, and superstar in, in Pendlebury's case, but, yeah, as you've said, the rest is always there. Um, there's always the option that they might move him down a half back. Or even we saw, like, Heppel's a slightly different story because he's not in the same form as Pendles. But when the game could be won or they might need to inject speed or there's different things that are going on, um, yeah, why they there's possibilities that Pendles could be subbed in games later in the year. So, yeah, I, 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 do, I just want to stay away from players like that. Um, and the other thing is he's 30K to get up to LDU. Like, it's not that much. Yeah. To, yeah,
1: yeah. That, that was going to be my next point, which is LDU is probably on some of the hottest form in the game at the moment. Um, so if you're getting someone while they're getting as good as a potential keeper, um, I'd probably go LDU. And if I already had LDU, around the 500 price, I don't think it's penalty. You could do worse at this stage of the season and then adjust accordingly later on in the year if you had to. Because if you're scoring 120s every week, then that's something that, you know, you can't really look past either.
0: Next question comes from lots of people. <laughs> Who are the best Jack Steele and Max Gorn replacements? So I've singled out three for both of them. Um, I've got I've said Darcy Cameron 465k, averaging 120 with 103 and 137 in his first two games. Jared Witz, 124 average, 140 and 108 in his first two games. And Tim English at 581K, averaging 136.5. He won't do that for the whole season, but 134 and 139 in in his first two games. Anyone else that we should be considering in the ruck line to replace Max Gorn? Absolutely zero.
1: None. No, that
2: covers all of them. Um, yep. And just to add a little bit to Darcy Cameron this week has you know, been bucketing down in Melbourne. Big chance there's going to be a lot more stoppages and Richmond's lost you know four of their better well three of their better scoring players from this game plus broad on top of that so there's going to be more points going around as it is uh, so if you're going to jump on Cameron definitely now is the time and he's got a pretty good ruck draw coming up um and and Jared which watching him on the weekend he actually got beaten by the double team of Draper and uh, and Phillips it probably wasn't his best game uh, and Setterfield was kind of roving to his, um, you know, the heat because they, they knew when he was going to win them. The, the Bombers set out beautifully in the midfield. So I was like, if that's Witz's, one of his worst games, and he still scored 108, um, he's going to be really solid for us. And, and he looks much fitter because he's had the extra preseason. So I think it's those two. And English, you know what you're getting. You're getting a guy who's going to average 125 until he gets a concussion or injury or, you know, somebody sneezes near him.
1: I think it's probably the biggest question that I've had is between Darcy Cameron and Tim English because, you know, unfortunate injuries aside for Tim English, I think, without a doubt, he's one of the best in-form rucks in the competition. Even after he came back from his injury last year, he was still somebody who, you know, people traded out. He came back and then it was like, oh, well, I've needed, I have need to get him back again. So, um, I think it's... You're trading up that but trading off in your head between that cash and that output um i would say and the the rule that i made for myself i think was if i'm if i'm scoring two thousand twenty one hundred, with you know with that gone zero then it makes more sense for me to bring in english at the moment who's in you know better form two scores of 130 um coming up he is playing Oscar McInerney, who we know is a bit of a negating ruck, but he scored 139 in a loss and a pretty bad loss as well to St. Kilda um, and against Rowan Marshall. So uh, if you're looking for cash and you need more cash to upgrade elsewhere, I think that's when Darcy Cameron becomes the obvious, obvious option. So if you're sort of averaging under 2k and you're looking to bring those points and have that cash to upgrade other people. So if you get Darcy Cameron and that allows you to get a day Cost or somebody else, elsewhere, then that makes more sense for you to go for that cheaper option. Cause I think they're both going to average out to be the same come season end.
0: And for Jack Steele replacements, I've written down three names, two obvious ones, one, not so obvious. So I'll get your d- thoughts on the third one. The first two is Luke Davies, Uniac at 557 K averaging 149, 143 and 155 in his first two games. The next one is Nick Dacos, so you'd need to use some um, DPP swings if possible, but he's averaging 139, 129, and 149 in his first two games. The third player I've written down is Patrick Cripps, 611K, 110 average over his first two games, 121 and 99. So hasn't performed as well as the other two but still starting the season fairly solidly and about the same price. Talk, talk to me more about this, because I, I w- why
1: why Crips?
2: Uh, that, 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 and I'm interested to hear what Damo says, because I'm actually all on this as well. Okay. Uh, I really like the this idea, so go Damo.
0: I, f- I, I feel like you're trading Crips uh, steel for Cripps, and you're getting a pretty similar player with a pretty similar-looking output. And given that they've brought in Ollie Hollands, they've brought in Blake Akers, when Sam Walsh returns, when they've got all of their midfield brig- uh, brigade back into the team, Patrick Cripps' role won't change. Because Pitney's fit, Tom DeCotting's fit as we speak. Um... Everyone, He should keep this same role, should keep having this impact. And when he went out of that midfield towards the end of last season, that's when Carlton started to fall over. So I think him staying in the midfield is something that they will make a point to keep as part of their game plan.
2: Yeah, and I really like their draw coming up. It's the whole reason why people who are saying to me, trade Doherty, and I'm like, the reason I picked him was for this fixture coming up over, you know, starting Dawson or Sicily. And I was really tempted to start Cripps at the start of the year. just didn't work out for my structure. But I think these next five weeks for the Blues, he could absolutely smash it. We saw what he did coming back from that injury last year where he went like back-to-back 140s. So there's some game very easy kills here for the Blues. If they're going to be serious about making the eight, not only do they need to win these games, but they've got to win them by a good margin because we saw what happened with them with percentage last year. So... I expect Cripps, the leader in the midfield, to absolutely lead the you know, lead his charges. Um, and he's got the ability, not just the contested ball, but he does get forward and this has can have scoreboard impact. And I think with these easy kills, there's an opportunity Cripps could kick a couple of goals in some of these games.
1: I So I understand. And to play to play Devil's Avocado, uh, are we really saying that so LDU, I think, is probably, like if you want a mid for a mid, yep. probably the number one option based on form. Um, we don't know if he'll continue that, but really at 557, you, we could honestly say you have a punt. Um, Dacos as well, he's going to be a top, top six defender at this rate. But even the other guys in the mids, like Steven Canelio... Three-round average of 125, 107 last week and a pretty rough loss, is playing Carlton this week, but, you know, back-to-back hundreds. You've got Darcy Parrish who started the season pretty the hot as well. I like. Yeah. Um, you know, is, is Cripps a more of a dice roll? Like, are people, do we think people maybe, even like, even if you don't have Will Setterfield, you could probably make a case to go all the way down from Steele to Setterfield. Yeah.
0: Actually, there is a question. Okay, <laughs> from Oscar on Twitter, he has the question of: Should I trade Jack Steele to LDU, or should I bank some cash and turn him into Will Setterfield? He's leaning towards LDU because it's premium for premium, and he already has Callahan and Hopper. Okay,
1: so yeah, I, I, yeah. So so it come, it, I guess it comes back to the question of utility. Um, you know. To answer like the best steal options i do like crips but i think you probably look at ldu right like a a keeper for a keeper so even crips um you know you want someone that is going to be a keeper i don't know yet if um goat can keep up with that scoring um but i'm enjoying owning him so i think it's a really tough one so yeah i just don't know that crips is at the top of my list. I think it's a really interesting and there's, there's definitely some statistics to back it up as a
0: selection. He was just a name that I threw in after looking at a few things when this question came, when these questions came through and he's one that sort of stood out to me as someone that I'm probably going to target later on when I start doing my upgrades. And I just liked him as a, as as, as a direct replacement for steel at around the same price. So there might be someone else that people like Um, some people might be looking at like, like you said, a Darcy Parish, but it's all around the same price. It's,
1: yeah, it's really awful you, you... that we just have so many good selections uh, <laughs> that we could bring in. Um, so, yeah, I mean, to, to go back to the second question that we had, I think i probably say, you know, it depends on what you want to do between LDU and Cedarfield. Um, and it probably comes back to semi the point that I was making about the Gorn replacements where it's, I think if you're at a certain level, you can kind of go, well, at least if I get Setterfield. I'm making the money to go a stepping stone while still having decent scores. And he might even become a keeper. Um, With LDU, it's kind of a like for like. So you're putting, replacing the points on the field. Um, So it's really what it enables you to do around it. If you need to make any other changes, I'd probably go with, my gut says LDU just because, we've known this about his ability for so many years and we've been waiting and waiting. And I think North fans as well, waiting and waiting for this moment where something clicks and, you know, they, they seem to be just doing it at the moment.
0: And you're trading a keeper for a keeper. If you go steel to LDU, whereas if you go Jack Steele to Will Setterfield, you're potentially walking into another trade later down the track that you're going to have to use. But in saying that, Will Setterfield could be this year's version of Steven Canelio or Will Brody or one of those guys. So we just don't know until the season progresses. So, But LDU feels like the safer option at this point, unless you're using that money to upgrade a failed mid prices somewhere else. Which leads us to our next question. What is the advice on Tanner Bruin? Fifty-two average, fifty-eight forty-six in his first two games. His heat maps against Carlton and Collingwood has him almost entirely on a wing. Um he was getting centre bounces during the pre the preseason matches, um, but he's not getting that role now. So Yeah, you might say his role is being Bruined. <laughs>
2: Oh, God. That, uh, that's something yeah. I expect on my show with Ben. Yeah, Ben, you kind guys of... are too good for that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, he got—he's got to go. He's—he's yeah. got to go. I think it's sad because yeah. he—he can do it, and that's what makes it more disappointing and bitter. I he's, think for yeah, owners, I'll—I'll yeah,
2: yeah. I'll, I'll tell you why the—the the problem I had with him is there's always an attacking winger and a defensive winger. Team set up like so. That's why I was more hot on, say, Finn Callahan, for example, because he was playing on the attacking wing. Bruins playing as the defensive winger, and I think Max Holmes was the one getting outside um, when they weren't playing him, and you know getting some CBAs there as the attacking winger. So you just don't want that wingman who's playing defensive role, and that's unfortunately Tanner Bruin's game at the moment.
0: And he's not performing above his price point, so. Before he loses money or before he stagnates where, where he is, it's better to move him to someone who, who was at least going to get that cash injection because when you started Tanner and you probably didn't think of him as a keeper, you probably thought of him as a stepping stone, but it would have been a happy accident if, if he averaged 90 plus in your forward line. The, the only positive out of it
1: is that there are two really good options who are within $50,000 to go to. Um, and I, I I will say it out loud before anyone goes back and checks the tapes. We did say Jack Siebel was not a great selection compared to some options. Now that we have more information, as is the case with all of Supercoach, holy cow, Zach, Jack Siebel's a great option at the moment.
0: (laughs) And Matthew Pitt has asked, who is the better pick out of Jack Siebel or Will Setterfield? And do we think they can keep up their form? So just quickly, Jack Zeebel is 356k, he's a forward, averaging 112.5 with 102 and 123 in his first two games. His heat map suggests a half-back roll. Will Setterfield is averaging 123 with 99 and 147 over his first two games. Heat map suggests an inside mid-roll.
2: Yeah, so to me it's Jack Zebel. And as much as I love Settergoat and I've been running with that, it's because he's going to get the you know, the loophole status come you know, round six. If Setterfield, the the one thing that could have been going for him if he could have been a VC option, I don't think he's a C option at all, but but Essendon just don't play enough early games in the round. So if they were playing Friday, Saturdays, I would have been very comfortable jumping the VC because he's shown that he's got the ceiling to go 140 um, and then that would have put him ahead of Zeebel for me. But because yeah, a lot of their games are Saturday night or Sundays, um, that sort of diminishes his value less to, to Zebul, who we know who's got the role. I'm not even worried about Aaron Hall coming back and and taking it because they've got Sheezel next to him. And why would you want to change up what they what they've got the setup, especially when they're winning and they've got this gun kid which is giving all their supporters hope. So
0: Sheezel's playing that Aaron Hall role yep. anyway, and and he's not really eating into the Jack Zebul role. So Jack Siebel's a great option. Personally, based on because of how my team is structured, I've gone Setterfield over Zeeble this week. Um, that doesn't mean Zeeble I won't potentially bring in at another point down the track when he's potentially a premium. But Setterfield um, has come into my team this week. But both options are going to be great.
1: Um, anyone who is on the Twitter sphere and follows our great leader, the Lack Dog. Um he has a nice little table that shows Zebul's scores with and without Hall, um, and Hall with and without Zebel. So looking at it, you're right, Sheezel's basically playing that role at the moment and Zeeble's kind of doing what that suggests he will do. Um I gotta say I'm with Swiz though. The um the kind of put it in the perfect way where I think at the moment so my my personal trades this week have kind of really had me thinking about who is going to be top defenders outside of Nick Dacos, because um, I had to get I have to get rid of Bailey Dale, and to be honest, I'm really struggling to make a choice on who to roll the dice on, like Redmond, Saad, Sicily, whoever. Realistically, moving that money around and bringing in Zebul in the forward line with the idea to bring him in as a defender, when we have the data to show he's got a halfback defensive role, is super valuable at this stage of the season, because you know that you can move it back there and you can work your trade planning around it. So I think that puts him just a little bit ahead of Sederfield. um In my completely object, like the completely objectiveness of it, he would be the number one choice. I think.
0: I do want Zebul, but yeah. I can't, I, I can't <laughs> bring him in just, just the way my team is. Yep. Um, I might just push him in
1: somehow next week just because I need him. I need it. I need the points.
0: Fraser Kenny has asked another question. He wants to know after two rounds, who are the must-have rookies? So before we started recording, I put together a table and got both of your inputs on this. So I've... Put all of the rookies or most of the rookies into four columns. The first column is must have. The second column is recommended. The third column is give or take. And the fourth column is not required. So if you've got one of these people in not required and don't have anyone in must have or recommended, and you don't have any other trades to do this week, I'd recommend moving one of those guys to one of the must have or recommended guys. So, if we start in must-have, we've discussed Harry Shiesel, um, yep. Will Ashcroft, Tick. Connor McKenna, Reuben Jinby, and Cam McKenzie.
1: Yeah, that's pretty pretty solid round out five of the guys who are really performing. Sheasel probably has the S++ notice on him. So, yeah. if you don't have him, get him this week before... It goes south,
0: and you'll find most teams have these five players. Yeah. I know, I know, there was a few people trading in Connor McKenna this week as a corrective trade, which is absolutely what you should be doing. Um, in the recommended column, we've got Ollie Hollands, who almost made it to must-have, um, Matthias Philippou, Charlie Constable, Darcy Wilmot, Oscar Baker is in recommended purely because his he has a defined role and job security. Alwyn Davy Jr., Cade Chandler, and Lockie Cowan. Cade Chandler probably would have moved up as well if we were sure of his job security. He's playing so
1: well at the moment that I think he can hold his job long enough to make the money. Um, Bryce Mitchell over on Twitter did a pretty, uh, pretty comprehensive price projection for Chandler. Um, with Cozzy Pickett still another week away, you'll at least get the benefit of his big break even this week. And then he kind of just has to keep maintaining his he's a talented player and would probably be a big sub vest candidate. But I think at the moment he's done enough to say that well, I need to stay.
0: Fair enough. So if you want to get Kay Chandler, you heard it from the Melbourne man, he's good for I like now. It. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I think short-term cash game. Yeah, short-term, yep, for sure.
0: In the give or take column, so if you have these guys, cool. If you don't, don't break the bank to go and get them. Fergus Green, Anthony Caminiti, Noah Long, Max Michaelani, Miller Bergman, Josh Bruce, Jai Menzi, Jack Buckley. We had a question about Jack Buckley, asking if he was worth it. If 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 you have him, great. If you don't, you don't need to go out and get him. Um, and Tom Cole, Miller Bergman kind of snuck up on people a little bit. He's mm. averaging 55 at 123K. Um, he, he almost snuck into recommended because he's kind of just moved himself into that best 22 at North Melbourne, but not many people accounted for him. And who are you going to kick out? Constable Wilmot. Probably not. You're not going to move out Jinby. You're not going to move out McKenna. So if you have him, great. If you don't, don't go out and get him. And if and if you do have him, you probably don't have one of Wilmot or Constable or one of those guys. So, um, yeah, that's why he's in the give probably or take a, column. a
1: good a good candidate for if for any reason one of these recommended guys aren't named this week.
0: Yep. And under Not Required, we have Campbell Chesser. Who... If you have him, get rid of him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Judd <laughs> McVeigh is, yep. a, is another one. Um, Luke Pedler is in Not Required. He's too expensive for the role that he's playing. Um, Charlie Combin. Um, Asava Radigalia, a bit like Luke Pedler, too expensive for the role that he's going to be playing. Bodie Uland, Ben King, Josh goda and Toby McLean all not required. So if you have them, you can move them on.
2: 100%. Toby McLean's not even required by his team at the moment.
0: He has been <laughs> dropped. He's a free agent at the end of the year as well, so he might find another home somewhere else.
2: I would see that happening. Yeah. We have a few VFL teams that might need to no, know. It, it could be. A... <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Sorry, that's brutal. Yeah absolutely gone for the man's life
0: <laughs> and a couple of other questions um so mia has held on to tom stewart for another week just to assess her options uh, yeah she wants to know if she should tra- if she should trade uh tom stewart and fergus green to nick dakos and harry sheasel yes. or ben king to ldu and sheasel so, Stuart and Green or Stuart and King to LDU and Sheasel or Dacos and Sheasel?
2: Dacos and Sheasel. Dacos, yep. Dacos and
0: Sheasel. Dacos and Sheasel for me as well. Um, Brody wants to know, in order to get Nick Dacos, should he trade uh, Green born. to, to Kamenidi and Callahan to Dacos um, or... Andy McGrath to Dacos.
1: McGrath. McGrath.
2: I agree with you, Clarky. Firstborn. Yep.
1: yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> McGrath. The, as we know, McGrath, the firstborn <laughs> of Essendon.
0: All right. And our standing question, as we usually finish off every week, who is our VC and C options this week? This might surprise
1: you, but my answer remains the same. Dacos. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I guess Richmond. He, he, he could have 40 disposals. Richmond with no hopper, no short, and no dusty, and no broad. Sorry, Sweez, I know you're a Richmond fan. No, I
2: I said to Chris, full strength. I was saying it over in the weekend. We're going to beat you. It's going to be a close game. We're going to beat you. And then once all these Richmond players start dropping out, I'm like, yeah, okay, you're beating us by like ten goals now. And That, that might be generous to us. It's going to be absolute bloodbath. Um, I'm. It all depends on the weather here. If it continues to rain, I'm going to go Darcy Cameron if uh, I believe that's how I'm going to probably go and bring him in. Um, If it does start to dry up a little bit, then it's, it's Dacos. But I think um, they're the obvious ones. Talking to Ben before, I know he was asking me and Chris was the same about potentially Bont because the dogs really need to rebound this week against the Lions. And I think Dunkley is going to get attention. So yeah, Bont's a fairly good one, but I think a lot of people are going to go Bont and I'd rather take the, uh, a Collingwood player against, you know, a, a Richmond VFL team.
1: Bond as well looked like he was the only person trying last week. So I think we can probably safely say that he's going to do that again this week.
0: Yeah. What do we think about James Sicily against North Melbourne as an option? You wouldn't go James Sicily over a Nick Dacos or a Bontempelli. So he, it's, it's, it's probably a, a non-factor there, but he's another option I would imagine. Um, And then captaincy well just
2: the vc there mate there's a, there's obviously the one in the game if you're bringing in LDU seek the vc on him
0: that's very true um the captaincy for later in the round um Rory Laird against Port Adelaide is one that you could that you could go with again
1: showdowns mean good points
0: mhm um you could also go for Clayton Oliver against Sydney
1: 150th game Milestone game. Milestone game. 150 points for 150th.
2: Quite
0: possible there. Yep. Sounds good. And... Sorry,
1: on Rory Laird, uh, last three games against Port, 133, 93 and 125. So pretty, pretty good consistency there to at least get that 120, which
0: we take. I think most people will get what they need out of their vice captain as long as they do that um, properly. I'd even
1: say English is an outside chance. He's kind of... I saw him around the ground a little bit more against St. Kilda when they were kind of struggling. I know Bevo has said the horrible, horrible word innovation um, or innovate, and that's what he's looking to do. Um, But, you know, English, I think, could be a real potential to be Max Gorn-esque, where they could probably use him a little bit forward or behind the ball, maybe a little bit more during play. Um, which means more possessions and using him to move the ball forward. But, you know, you could do that and then just straight see Nick Dacos and still be fine.
0: Agreed.
2: Um, the, the couple of quick ones with that one is uh, Tom Green against uh, Carlton. I, I legitimately think Green's is a captaincy the option these days because he's probably as safe as houses. You know, you're getting... Probably 115, 120. Yeah, well, they get the towed up the other week, last week against West Coast, and he still went 106. Uh, So I I think he's moving into that backup if you didn't have any other options for whatever reason. Um, So, yeah, one to think of. And we know what Marshall did to Draper in that preseason game And, and MCG, St. Kilda's 150th year match. Uh, so it's a massive match. This game is always played at Marvel. And because of the event they're playing at the MCG, they're expecting a big crowd. Uh, you know, there, there's a potential there for Marshall to go absolutely massive.
1: Um, Mason Redman against St. Kilda last year scored 144. Mm. And at the moment, St. Kilda seemed to just be giving free points to defenders. And that's probably because... and. Look, I know this is just football and not super coach talk, but holy crap, St. Gilda have three amazing forwards all under 20 years twenty years of age, which probably contributes a little bit to why the defenders are getting more points because they're young kids, but they're absolutely killing it and they're getting the ball fed to them a lot. So there's going to be a lot of contests down there. So I don't mind Mason Redmond um, as a cheeky little look in.
2: Yeah, I don't mind that. That's a good one. And that's what we we're talking about even field before. Yeah, no, no Jack Steele in that Saints midfield. So, um, and you take out Saints' best midfielder, so they're g- they're going to have to manufacture a couple other guys in there, and he's not getting tagged. So you could see Winghagen, um, maybe somebody else comes in and does a job on either a Merritt or a Parish, most likely Merritt.
1: Who's going to do his midfield.
2: Cederfeld's just going to run around and do whatever he wants this week.
1: Yeah,
0: send Mason Wood to him. <laughs> That's all the questions for today. Thanks for joining us, Swiz. Anytime, boys. Love coming on the show and chatting Supercoach with you guys. And hey. thank you again, Clarky.
1: It's always a pleasure, uh, especially on these uh, Supercoach Insider crossovers, which are happening more and more. And we love them. We love you guys over there. So make sure you go check out Supercoach Insider, YouTube, podcasts, Twitter. It's, um, yeah, they do really great content, the, the guys over there.
2: Appreciate
0: it. And if you have a question you'd like answered, all you have to do is tag your question with jockmailbag on social media or send an email to jockmailbag at gmail.com and we'll talk next time.